You are listening to A Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to addressing global social trends and issues through unscripted and candid conversations. And I am April Patterson, creator and host of A Podcast. Special thanks to my friend Terrell Brown at terrellbrown.com for the music. So sit back and relax and listen to me as I get to the root of it. You know how you have a conversation with someone you've never met and the conversation just flows? Man, when I tell you, next guest, really, really, it was absolutely a pleasure to speak with her. She's a phenomenal woman. I am actually really just honored to even have her on the show. Uh, Tamika Jackson Dyer is who I'm talking about. So Tamika is the chair for Metro Detroit Wayne County Breastfeeding Coalition. She's also a lactation consultant with a whole lot of acronyms that follow that. But she's going to speak to that during the episode So, because I won't do it any justice. She's also the owner for Crazy Milk Lady Lactation Support Services, LLC. And she's the project consultant for Perfective LLC. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you Tamika Jackson-Dyer. And also stay tuned because there will be a part two. When I tell you the nuggets that she dropped in this episode, of course I had to bring her back. All right, so listen, do me a favor. After you've listened, I really want to hear from you, okay? So be sure to send me a message. You can IM me, you can DM me, you can whatever you do on social media. All right, so stay tuned. Can't wait to hear from you guys. Let me know what you think. Tamika, thank you so much for joining the call. I really appreciate your time. I was doing some research and came across an article, which you've actually corrected me since then, but the article (laughs) referred to full-term breastfeeding as extended breastfeeding. And so Mm -hmm. the weird thing about that, and I'll just be honest, I didn't realize, I mean, not until I did the research that this could actually lead into like a child being age six, seven, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's extreme, but the articles that I've been reading and there are communities that actually support this. What fascinates me the most about full-term breastfeeding are the benefits um, could take place. And so, you know, our friend Jamal, he kind of was like, oh, you should talk to Tamika. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) So so, um, why don't we do this? I am going to, like I said, I'm going to introduce you and do your bio and all that. And this podcast, just so you know, I don't have like I'm not a very I like the conversations to flow so it's as though we're sitting on the sofa having a conversation I'm not going to be real structured you can be as loose and as free as you want on this podcast this is like (laughs) two girlfriends talking okay okay all right so um why don't you go ahead and give a background about who you are i am a lactation consultant Mm -hmm. uh, an international board certified lactation consultant Mm -hmm. Uh, i like to specify that uh, because that is the highest credential in lactation okay um a lot of times people use the term lc or lactation consultant very loosely and if you have worked as hard as i have to get those letters behind your name you like to be very clear Mm -hmm. Um, i know that's right yeah um Mm -hmm. i wear lots of hats. Um, I am a project consultant Mm -hmm. um, for a breastfeeding education company. Uh, I'm a lactation consultant for a CDC REACH grant um, recipient here in Michigan, Mm -hmm. Um, the only university to receive um, this particular grant uh, in the country. Mm. Um, I am 
a private practice lactation consultant, Crazy Milk Lady Lactation Support Services. Okay. Um. There we go. That Crazy Milk Lady is what I saw. So yes. it's not a podcast. That is my name. Right. Um, but that was the, the, that's what I saw that captured my eye. I was like, Crazy Milk yes. Lady. That's all. Yeah, awesome. Crazy Milk Lady. Uh-huh. Um, and that actually grew from uh, a nickname I gave myself mm. uh, when I was nursing my oldest. Mm. Um, because I was insane because you are after you have a baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you are. I've had three. <laughs> and lack of sleep and all that good stuff. And uh, I was feeling some kind of way because I felt like the baby only wanted me when she was hungry. She wanted to be mm-hmm. with everybody else when she was like cooing and happy. And I was like, I'm just the milk lady. I just, I'm look, I'm sitting here. I look crazy. I'm just a crazy milk lady. And it's stuff. Oh, so, that's a fantastic um, name, though. <laughs> it is, and I love how it just came to life. Yeah, yeah so she is 17 and a, a senior in high school now. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. But wow. that is where Crazy Milk Lady came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what else do I do? I volunteer with Sister Friends mm-hmm. uh, here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. That's a, a organization that pairs um mostly older women in the community with uh, young pregnant women to help them make it through a healthy pregnancy and up until baby's first birthday. Mm -hmm. And that's to help uh, battle infant mortality here in the city, which is horribly high. Um, I just celebrated my nephew's uh, first birthday. This is my my second little sister, but it's the first time um, I've been able to keep in touch long enough. So we celebrated his first birthday this past week. I was really excited about that. Oh, congratulations. Um, <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Um, oh, goodness. I I do a lot of stuff. And I'm a, a founding member of Southeast Michigan IBCLCs of Color, okay. uh, which is because there's not a whole lot of us uh, in the country. Um, and in the state, it's less than 20 mm-hmm. total. Uh, African-American LCs. Uh, So we got together and created our own professional organization. Um, And I am the chair of Wayne County, I'm sorry, Metro Detroit Wayne County Breastfeeding Coalition. So I do a lot of stuff. Girl. I do a lot of stuff. Um, all doing with the boobies and the babies. How so. do you do that? <laughs> I mean, you know what? I'm just, I am going to actually um, host an episode. Uh, I'll just let you know in advance that of, of women who can have it all. You can have a career, you can have a family, um, you can have a wonderful marriage and, and fulfill your purpose. And if that looks like wearing a thousand hats, like it sounds like you do, then, <laughs> and you, but you figured out how to do it and you figured out how to get back to the community and you figured out how to, just love people and want to help and so that's real cool and you've sustained yeah. a home life so that's even that's like wow like you can have it all people you know you don't <laughs> you don't have to um limit yourself so Jeez. that yeah. is amazing wow well it is a pleasure to have you on this on the show i was actually looking forward to this conversation because i just want to understand everything all there is to this full-term breastfeeding so i have a couple of questions i'm just you know, again, we can, we don't have to stay on course with what I've sent in advance, but I would like you to just define full-term breastfeeding in its entirety and what that looks like in terms of, you know, is there an age cutoff, you know, just kind of start there. Okay. So full-term breastfeeding is exactly what it sounds like. It is um, nursing a child until they are physically and physiologically ready to wean. Um, The research shows, Detweiler, um, 
has done a lot of research on this. Um, and her study showed that the biologically correct age of weaning for humans is somewhere between two and a half and seven years of age. Um, and that's based on dentition, um, brain maturity, uh, the maturity of the immune system, all the, and she studied um, primates who are our closest uh, neighbors in the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. We are mammals. People mm -hmm. tend to forget that. Mm -hmm. um, yep, we and are. And then, um, you know, cultures around the world that are more um, what we consider traditional cultures that are still close to the earth, hunter gatherers, stuff like that. Um, and so judging by when um, adult teeth begin to erupt and all the baby teeth are gone, it's usually a, somewhere in, in between those two ages. So up to age seven is actually physiologically and biologically normal for a human to receive breast milk. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that mm -hmm. because in our culture, mm -hmm. um, we have very low breastfeeding rates. Um, we rarely, most people drop off by six months. Um, yeah. Hi, the, me. Hi. <laughs> the medical recommendation is actually um, for at least a year. That's the American Academy of Pediatrics. Okay. Um, the Centers for Disease Control and the WHO, the World Health Organization, actually say until at least two years. Hmm. At least. People always forget that part. Hmm. At least. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't mean that you cut off on baby's first birthday, mm -hmm. you know, um, or that at two, that's it, that's all. It's at least. So that's the absolute lowest amount of time. Hmm. But according to the medical professionals, sure. that you should be nursing your baby. Um, the American, let me see, the uh, American family physicians, um, actually their statement says that a child weaned before the age of two is likely to experience more medical issues. So they, they get more into the, um, you know, the issues that can arise if a child is weaned preterm. So that's why I don't really like the term um, extended nursing because you're not extending anything. You're actually going with the actual biological norm. Gotcha. Hmm. So there, that um, is, is somewhat of a segue into my next question, um, which is what are the medical benefits linked to full term breastfeeding? So you did touch on that, but is can you maybe speak to if perhaps is it linked to lessening the risk factor of autism is it lessening is it is it linked to that um maybe a child standing less of a chance of being diagnosed with ADD like ha has there been any studies that show the benefits of full-term breastfeeding just putting the child in a better position to not be diagnosed with those things okay so most studies um really don't go past 24 months hmm. um because a lot in many cultures especially in western cultures um I call it underground nursing. A lot of women are breastfeeding longer than you think they are, but they're just not doing it publicly anymore. Wow. Um, and it's related to, you know, the shaming, the, oh, she must be doing it for her own pleasure. Um, you know, she got to be getting something out of that. That's not just for the baby. The foolishness yeah. that I hear a lot. Sure. Um, huh. And so you don't see it, but it's happening. Um, I had never, I didn't even know you like, could nurse a toddler probably until I started doing this work. Hmm. Um, my daughter now, I nursed her for a year. 
because that was what I, I it said do it for a year I did it for a year right um and so there's a eight year age gap between her and my son mm -hmm. so you know better you do better absolutely I had learned a lot more mm -hmm. um so by the time he came I said okay I'll do it you know 18 months okay because you know you're supposed to do it for at least a year so if I can make it to 18 months that's great that's good sure, absolutely. and then I was like okay well two because okay. the who says two so I'm gonna do I'm gonna do till two okay I'm gonna do till two okay um so okay and then we got to two and he's my last and I knew he was my last before he got here mm -hmm. <laughs> okay and okay. I was like okay I'm not really ready yet and huh. it don't seem like he ready yet okay. so it said at least two, so that means we can go past two. Absolutely. Um, so we ended up going until he was 33 months, really? almost three. Wow. Um, but I did not, like most people didn't know, like my inner circle, I was working as a breastfeeding peer counselor by then. Um, and I know one of the reasons why I felt comfortable enough to go long is because I had joined a breastfeeding support group with him, mm. something I did not do with my daughter. Okay. Um, and it was almost all black women and we all had babies around the same age okay. and we all nursed well into toddlerhood um so i had sisters who were doing the same thing i was doing That's that awesome. i could be like oh mm -hmm. is this is this normal is this supposed to See? do they still supposed to wow. and you know having that that village to be able to bounce those things off of mm -hmm. because no i didn't know anybody who had done that you know mm -hmm. i barely knew people who had breastfed mm -hmm. so um having those people with me who were doing the same thing where it wasn't weird where it wasn't awkward where nobody was questioning me um and my ex-husband their father um i can't say a whole lot of nice but the one thing i can say is he was always very supportive of me breastfeeding that's fantastic i get props where they are due there you go um and that is one that's thing cool. and i commend was, you of like, doing that because you know yeah, <laughs> listen i mean there is some good, you know, and so it's good yeah. to kind of like speak to that. So that is awesome to hear that you did have that support um, from yeah. him. He was, um, you know, once he found out that it was healthy and it was, and I, because he saw I had friends who were doing it, it was like, oh, mm -hmm. so other people do do this. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so actually I probably weaned sooner than the others. I know one her daughter was probably close to four when she finally waned. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was, um, and for me, it was, I was ready. Mm -hmm. uh, he he would have kept going. Okay, right, sure. <laughs> he wow. He would have kept going, um, but I was ready. Now, my daughter, she actually, I weaned her at a year, but honestly, she kind of self-weaned because okay. our last nursing session was hers. Like, I would come home from work. And that was like our reconnection, our bonding yeah, time at the end of the day. Too, yeah. And I went to the, yeah, I went to pick her up and I said, okay, you ready, ready for some milk? And she looked at me, we would have milk and snuggles. Uh -huh. um, and she looked at me and she said, no, just snuggles. Cause she talked early. Um, and I was <laughs> just, said, like, just, just snuggles. Yeah. Okay. She said, just snuggles. Yep. And I was kind of devastated. <laughs> oh man. How did you, let's talk about that. So yeah. how did you psychologically handle that? Because I nursed, um, I nursed my middle daughter the longest. So my first daughter, uh, my oldest is 30. Well, she will be 30 this year. I didn't nurse her at all because I was a young mom and I was just right. like, mm -mm. And you don't know. And, <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then my second child um, being married, you know, 
to my ex-husband, you know, starting a new family with him because my first daughter is not his, but you know, you now I have an opportunity to get it right and I'm married and we have kids and Mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, I want to do everything (laughs) right. And so (laughs) if if there is a a right, you know what I mean? Because that's part And so um, I nursed Chantel until she was probably six months six or seven months and Mm -hmm. she would have nursed longer but I stopped her because she was playing with it like you're playing (laughs) with my nipples like I you know I I love the I I can't you know because it's already a lot right but it was our bonding moment and I loved it but I didn't psychologically know how to handle because I still was the not fidgeting. much. Yeah, the fidgeting the part. I'm just like, yeah. this is weird. No. Yeah, my son was, he was a twiddler. Yeah. Hated exactly. <laughs> and so I just was like, either you're going to nurse or you're going to get off. And yeah. I said it to her once. And then I remember like maybe a couple of weeks later, like she just was, she would just lay there and she would look at me and she would be like, you know, fidgeting. And hey. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Oh, no, this is over. I can't. So, and with my youngest, I nursed her until like maybe four months, but that was because I was stressed and I wasn't lactating properly. So I wasn't producing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I, um, yeah, that was my experience. I think it's an amazing experience. So listeners, if you have the opportunity to nurse really and truly, it's, it's, I would say the best part of being a, a mom. I think. Absolutely. I know I've met lots of clients who wish they had done it. I don't think I've not met one Mm -hmm. who regrets breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. I don't regret it at all. Even with all of what is it? Mastitis. Like I had that. I did. Engorge. (laughs) Engorgement. Oh my gosh. Like the raw nipples and the scabs and the lanolin I had I'm like you know what is this is this worth it but I stuck it out that was the experience with my middle with with my second daughter but then the third daughter like I already knew and it wasn't as painful it wasn't as bad so anyway um so my, my my next question is then did I think I may have interjected did you say that it is linked to being able or has it been linked to lessening the the rates of being diagnosed with autism or ADD? Well, we know that they're both um, brain issues. Mm-hmm. And we know that when human babies receive human milk, their brains form the way they're supposed to. Um, now, that being said, there are lots of other factors involved in both of those um, disorders Um, We know that autism can actually be seen prenatally in fetal brains. Um, So it wouldn't be the only factor, um, but I do believe that it does help um, in some ways because of the the bonding, the way that the hormones are released, um, Mm -hmm. that it definitely could help. Now, ADHD, it has been shown um, that children who are breastfed are less likely uh, to develop ADHD or to be diagnosed with ADHD. Uh Um, And I don't know if that's related to the regulation of the hormones, of the, uh, you know, Uh the bonding between the mother and the child, or how exactly it works, what the, Uh you know, what, 
what mechanism it is, but I do know that the science does show that children who are breastfed are less likely okay. uh, to be diagnosed with ADHD. All yes. right. And, and forgive my ignorance, like which hormone would that be? Like, um, well, that would the main two that. are oxytocin and prolactin. Mm -hmm. um, prolactin obviously means mm -hmm. for milk. Mm -hmm. right, <laughs> so right, right, right. that is the milk making hormone, but oxytocin is what we call the bonding hormone. Mm -hmm. It's the same hormone that's released when you hug someone during orgasm, yeah. mm -hmm. um, when you're happy. And when you breastfeed, it is released in the mother and in the baby. Sure. And so that is why they're bonded together so tightly um, is because that hormone release is much higher during that time than like if, you know, if a mom pumps, she does release oxytocin, but not nearly as much as if she has the baby at the breast. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that's that bonding hormone that regulates your emotions and your all of those things, um, that's a big deal. Sure, <laughs> and so there in life, about brain development. There we go. Okay, see, this is so fascinating. I I didn't learn all this when I was having kids. About nobody <laughs> talked about. I should have gone to a probably a lactation um, counselor. So because yeah. yeah, like that's important. So one of the key points that I do want to make sure is that if you, that I say and that I announce on the call is that um, for individuals that, you know, you're, you're thinking about having a child or you're having children and you're nursing and, or, you, and you have questions, a lot of times in our community, we don't, we won't go see a therapist. We won't go see anything labeled counselor right. of any kind. So, but we definitely need to perhaps incorporate this into our culture and at least learn the benefits of full-term breastfeeding because we do know that as African-Americans, we are prone to certain mental disorders and so forth. And if breastfeeding full term can offset that in some sort of way, then perhaps we need to tap into that a little bit more. So then I have another question, which I discovered today. I didn't realize that grandmothers could even nurse their grandchildren. Yeah. Lord, <laughs> dead, what in the name? Yeah, so, I've seen that circling on social media. What? Oh yeah. Okay, let's talk about that because now what I this particular article that I came across actually is a platform. It's on um Instagram. So mm -hmm. this is a lady who is actually she's a, a counselor, and she said that she, her and her one of her daughters or her daughter, they were pregnant at the same time. And so therefore she was already lactating. So mm -hmm. there she was able to kind of fill in when the mom couldn't. So I was like, yeah. hmm. I have a colleague um, who has, I think she has five children. She has five children and three grandbabies. Um, and I know she has nursed all of her grandchildren, I believe. Um, as a matter of fact, it came out during um, Black Breastfeeding Week. Uh, she did a photo shoot um, with the breastfeeding community or her breastfeeding support group. And um, people were all in an uproar. And that was full-term breastfeeding was all over Facebook and Instagram during that time because her youngest is six um, and she just weaned her. 
Um, and people were like totally freaked out about that. Um, and so there was a lot of education about full-term breastfeeding. And then when she mentioned that she had also, because she's very open about it, uh, breastfed her grandchildren as well, because I oh, mean, she has adult children and then she has a six-year-old. So and about has, the same lady. Okay. So she had um, nursed her, she, she keeps her grandbabies. Mm -hmm. And so if they're breastfed, mm -hmm. um, you know, wet nursing is not something that is foreign to, to our culture. Um, only it was coerced wet nursing, the part that most of us are familiar with when during slavery, black women were forced to wean their own children in order to nurse mm -hmm. um, their captors' children. Mm -hmm. um, but wet nursing is, is historically mm. how babies were fed if mama had to go and work out in the fields or if the mother died because, you know, maternal mortality was always really high uh, historically, uh, especially for poor women. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, in the village, everybody's pregnant at the same time, everybody's babies at the same time, everybody's nursing everybody's babies. So um, what is it called? You know, wet, what? wet nursing. Wet, wet nursing. nursing. And wh why, what is that wet nursing? Why is it, what's the... Um... Um, well, because a, a baby nurse uh -huh. would be like what we consider kind of like a nanny. Okay. Um, but a wet nurse is someone that was nursing the baby. So they were giving them the, the wet. That's oh, where the term came. Gotcha. Okay. So like if you said, you know, back in Victorian England, you know, the baby nurse, mm. blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. You know, if you said the wet nurse, then people knew, oh, it's not the nanny. It's the one that's gotcha. nursing the baby. Wow. Um, and something that I learned a few years ago that I was kind of surprised about is that um, wealthy women still have wet nurses. Um here in this country, in Hollywood, a lot of times when we see what? people out about the woman that you see is not necessarily, she's not the nanny, she's the wet nurse. And that's why she's always there. Huh. Yeah, I was floored. They actually, there's actually a company that staffs, that does staffing. Girl, shut you know, like up. How you, I can't, I how can't. You go and look for, for babysitters.com or, yeah, they will staff for wet nurse and they make, I'm trying to remember how, they make like, I remember I had friends. We were all sitting there at this conference, like, huh? Huh? You got any people in California? I'm trying to see. Wait a second. Okay, so let's talk about this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I believe we're talking about the same lady. Is her six-year-old or seven-year-old a little girl? Is it a girl? Yep. Okay, and she nurses her baby boy, the grandson. Yes. Yep. Same lady. Mm -hmm. That's, okay. that's where I like, wow. And that's a friend of yours, our colleague. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is that. See, and I read that and I just, there is a, a whole, I don't want to call it a village, but it's a whole community. They are uh, located in, uh, it's not Detroit. It's a, uh, she's in one of the Carolinas. Carolina, North Carolina. I think it's North Carolina. Or is it South? Mm -hmm. I don't know. One of the Carolinas. <laughs> but I reached out to the mayor, the mayor okay. of her town, um, because I would like to speak to him. Because here in Chicago, in in Detroit, like in the urban communities, it's almost like maybe we need to do something different with the development of our children to help them psychologically, uh, and even with their emotional development. And I've just been mm -hmm. really, 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 really. Uh, focusing on that in the research. And I'm, I'm trying, even though I try to do other topics, I find myself just fascinated with the mental development of our children in poverty stricken neighborhoods. And because I know that there's something going on there. So I want to connect with some political people to see how we can maybe make this a part of 
the community maybe i know you do you partner with WIC? like how do you how does that um i actually i started my my career in lactation i actually started as a breastfeeding peer counselor with WIC. okay um i was with them for five years mm -hmm. before i um went on the internship to get my um ibclc mm -hmm. um and then when i earned my certification i went back to WIC for a year as a uh, contract lactation consultant mm -hmm. um I don't work for them, but I do work with them a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the company that I do the project consulting for, uh, one of my projects is mainly focused on um, African-American WIC eligible moms. Mm -hmm. um, and then on the coalition, my co-chair is actually the breastfeeding coordinator for city of Detroit WIC. Um, so I have obviously a close working relationship sure. with her. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of the uh, recruiting that I do for other projects or things that I do, they are uh, moms who receive WIC or, um, you know, meetings with WIC staff or WIC administration. Okay, great. Can you walk us through what that would look like? So you have a mom who's had her baby and uh, she's going to breastfeed from start to finish, like, okay, I'm breastfeeding and then I'm going to connect with WIC and pick up where, you know, and obviously when you, you can receive WIC, um, when you're pregnant and also after you've had the baby yes. and it's for the nourishment for the mom, right? I get that. But how do you, yes. can you walk us through that process? Like what would it look like today? So WIC, we say go before you show, do not wait until the baby comes. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as you find out you, if you are eligible or if you think you might be, mm -hmm. um, because the income guidelines are probably higher than what you expect. Mm -hmm. um, and go call whatever to your local uh, WIC agency. Mm -hmm. um, they get you in, you would, uh, you do intake, which is, you know, basic demographic information, um, income information. If you receive Medicaid, even if you, um, like sometimes you may be working um, and make too much, but you are still eligible for Medicaid in some places, specifically during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. If you are Medicaid eligible, you are automatically eligible for WIC, period. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so the other thing is that I, I want to make sure that I get out. WIC has nothing to do with human services or food stamps or child support. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of women who mm -hmm. don't come in to get benefits because they're afraid mm -hmm. that their child's father, who they're living with or have a good relationship with, is going to get put on child support. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. Wick does not do that. Mm -hmm. Wick has nothing to do with that. They don't, none of that. The only reason why we even ask about stamps or Medicaid is to find out if you are income eligible. Gotcha. Um, so you do your intake and then they send you, um, uh, you have to get your finger poked. We check. Uh, that's to check your blood iron um, because low iron can cause lots of pregnancy complications, um, especially hemorrhage, which kills way too many women every year. Um, and then you go see uh, a nutritionist or an RD uh, who will talk to you about your eating habits, your diet, you know, your what you get weighed and all of that. Um, they'll talk to you, you know, find out what your normal 
eating is and then discuss with you about, you know, what you need to do for intake during pregnancy to have a healthy pregnancy, healthy baby, how much weight they should expect you to gain, all that good stuff. And then at the end of your appointment, uh, here in Michigan anyway, you will go see the breastfeeding peer counselor um, who will talk to you about breastfeeding, um, give you some basic information, find out where you're at. Um, and what kind of uh, information you already have and, and, you know, what your plans are. Uh, and then they give you food. They oh. give you, <laughs> they give you okay. food. And uh, so what I like to tell people is WIC is not, um, it's not a food program like food stamps. It is a nutrition education program that gives you supplemental food to back up what they taught you. So if they're telling you you need to have more iron-rich foods, you can go and use your WIC card or your WIC vouchers and get spinach and red beans and uh, iron-fortified cereals. You know, if you're mm -hmm. if you're not taking in enough calcium, you're having problems with your teeth, then you can get your milk and your cheese. Um, you know, you can get fresh fruits and vegetables. And it's a lot of times historically, WIC was considered the place to go to get formula. Um, WIC is where you go to get nutrition support and breastfeeding support because they have breastfeeding peer counselors mm -hmm. in Michigan. It is mandated that every single agency have a lactation consultant on staff or mm -hmm. under contract. Um, you can get a breast pump from WIC. You can get a, a letter to take to your employer, depending on which agency you go to, uh, for when you go back, telling them about the need for you to be able to pump, um, and, just all kinds of things like that. They have uh, breastfeeding support groups. They have prenatal breastfeeding education classes. Um, so hmm. WIC, it, WIC works. Uh -huh. the, the slogan is correct. WIC uh -huh. works. And I uh, I was a WIC mom. So was I. I know yep. some people take, take offense to that term. Um, but I, I had WIC until they put us off when my kids turned five. I sure would. <laughs> I would do it because today. I'm not going to lie. I still love milk and cereal. I love <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> And I love spinach. Let's go. <laughs> I love all those things. So, so yeah. wow, that's beautiful. Um, and is the, do they walk, do they, th does the counselor stay connected with the mom in the full term breastfeeding stage as well? Oh, yes. Okay. I've had, um, I know I've had clients. I like to say we get a lot of repeat clients <laughs> mm -hmm. at WIC because of the turnaround, but because a mom can stay on until the child is five, you might see them with baby number two, sometimes baby number three. Oh. Um, I've had clients who came in when they, you know, were barely showing. And by the time I left the agency, I was helping them, you know, with breastfeeding their third baby. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely, that's one of the things I do miss about being in the clinic is that long-term um, contact with clients because like working in the hospital is really short term um, working private practice people really only call you if they have a problem and then once the problem is resolved you usually don't you know keep in touch so um, WIC is one place where you get breastfeeding support from the very beginning all the way through like you know you help moms with weaning because weaning a toddler is different than weaning an infant mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and um, or with, you know, dealing with unsupportive family members or a partner who's like, okay, that's enough. He got mm -hmm. teeth now. You know? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because most of them have been there, done that. Um, right. I know that most of the peers, I can say that the majority of the peers that work in the city and, and 
in the area have nursed long term themselves because all peer counselors have been breastfeeding mothers and that's the beauty of the peer program um, is that they can say yes I understand because they've actually done it Mm -hmm. Um, I know I was shocked when I found out you could be a lactation consultant and never have breastfed a baby Um, oh because that just didn't make sense to me right but if you go through the training I guess you could that's right. Um, but as a peer counselor, you actually have the first, um, you know, requirement is that you have breastfed a baby for uh-huh. at least six months. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, you can actually say, yes, oh, I remember what that felt like. Uh-huh. Or, oh, yeah, those night feedings. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. <laughs> because you, have, you have been there and done it. Um, and so you really build uh, relationships. I've had clients bring me their babies one year pictures uh-huh. um, and say, you know, we made it. That's you know, I didn't good. think we was gonna make it two weeks. Right. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, you get to, you get to see the fruits of your labor. It's it's very fulfilling. Um, one of the wow. one of the things I love about what I do. That is so cool that you actually have that you're fulfilled in your purpose and you, like you say, you get to see the fruits of your labors. That's definitely a blessing. We know that there are benefits psychologically and emotionally to full term breastfeeding. Got it. So then the term wet nursing, if the wealthy Caucasian parents are tapping into, uh, they want to hire someone just for that purpose full time, Mm -hmm. then that to me says that they know the benefits that of this. And I want (laughs) to ask the question, so has a study been done that has shown that um, you have a child that's being nursed full terms Mm -hmm. versus a child that who has not academically, how well does, is is there any short sort of studies that show academically, it's quite possible that your child would be, you know, just kind of do well academically. I don't know if that's even asking that um, (laughs) I'm not sh- I'm trying to remember what age they study. I know they followed the children up to about age seven mm-hmm. um, in the study that I'm thinking of. Um, but children, the longer the longer the child was breastfed, yeah. the greater the IQ difference. Shut up. So we do know. Are you that, serious? Well, the easiest way to look at it is that. Um, and I hate the term benefits because when you do what you're I'm supposed sorry. to do and what yeah. your body's made to do, it's not a benefit. It's not. Uh, it's you're what's right. biologically supposed to happen. You're right. But, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yeah. But we do know that um, the what the benefits of breastfeeding are dosage dependent. Basically, the longer you do it, the greater the benefit for mother and baby. Huh. Um, because we know that the longer you breastfeed in your lifetime the greater your risk reduction for breast cancer, ovarian cancer, cervical cancer, as a breastfeeding mother. Um, When you, uh, for children who are breastfed, the greater the risk reduction in asthma, um, food allergies, um, diabetes, uh, just so many, so many different things. Um, And the risk reduction is based on the length of time. So the longer you do it, the greater the benefit. And so since most studies don't really go past 24 months, wow. we can't say, you know, this study says, but what we do know is that every single study shows that the benefits are dosage dependent. So it would just stand to reason that if you do it for 24 months, you get this much. Mm-hmm. And if sense, you do it for 48 right? months, right. you know, so. <laughs> yeah, it's common sense, huh? Do the math, right? So yeah. the longer you do mm-hmm. it. So, wow, the, there is a higher, the IQ is higher in babies that nurse 
longer. Wow. Yes. Our children that, because at this point when they're five, they're children, right? right? They're not babies. Um, <laughs> that is interesting. So the infant mortality rate is lower uh, the longer you nurse as well. Yes, we know that um, hmm. breastfeeding reduces infant mortality. Um, the major risks for infant mortality are uh, prematurity, obviously, um, because those babies come with a host of issues. Um, and then there's also uh, diseases and infections. Mm -hmm. um, and then SIDS. Those are three of the major causes for infant mortality. Uh, when you breastfeed, you reduce the risk of SIDS by 50% mm -hmm. across mm -hmm. the whole age spectrum um, because SIDS is... is 50%? You know, wow. 50%. That's a high percentage. Yes. Huh. So for every age range, if a baby was breastfed, their risk of succumbing to SIDS is 50% less than a child who received artificial breast milk mm. substitute. That... Um, and that is insane. And then when you look at um, prematurity, which um, unfairly uh, is very, the prematurity rate in the African-American community is really high mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, we know that for preemies, uh, receiving human milk can literally be the difference between life and death. Like that is, I can't even overstate the importance mm. of breast milk for preemies um, because there are certain issues that arise. Uh, neck is one of the big ones, um, which is necrotizing enterocolitis, mm. um, which can take a baby out in less than 24 hours. Oh my. Um, it moves quickly and it is usually deadly or seriously compromises. Um, what is that? I mean, life quality. Mm. Um, it, kills the intestines oh it is um yeah it necrotizes it it literally the the intestines die mm. <laughs> they just die um and they try to catch it by removing parts but i mean you can only remove so much mm -hmm. um but i had um actually my niece um her son uh he was goodness see a month old six weeks um, and he was early. Mm -hmm. Um, and I she, we had a lot of issues with milk supply with her, um, because she had had a lot of blood loss. She hemorrhaged mm -hmm. with him and that does affect uh, your ability to make milk. Mm -hmm. And so it was really rough and she was in Flint and I don't think she had access to human, uh, banked milk or she didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so when he started getting formula and, like once he was getting a hundred percent formula, he actually developed neck and um, yeah. So it, it will, it will kill them. Um, and we know that babies who get human milk, uh, well, let me, I'll, I'll state the, I'll state it correctly. Babies who do not receive human milk or who are supplemented with artificial breast milk substitutes have a 70 to 80% higher risk of developing neck preemies. What? Yes. Um, which is why banked milk, banked human milk is so important um, in hospitals, mm. um, not just for preemies. They also use it on cancer units and a couple other places that people are not aware of. Cancer units. Um, what is the link? When, when your immune system is compromised, uh, breast milk is full of white blood cells. It is literally considered white blood. It's full of stem cells. Um, so if you give them breast milk, 
one, it helps to boost their immune system because those stem cells. And we know that it is a food that is tolerated by humans um, in very vulnerable um, situations because, I mean, a newborn, you can't get no more vulnerable than that. How does a person, wow. So, man, Tamika, I know I said (laughs) an hour, girl, but you are dropping so many nuggets. Okay. I know you have a family, but you just tapped into an area that I do want to talk about, but I don't think we can complete it on this call. And that is cancer, the stem cells, and the benefits of a human being fed that who has cancer. Mm-hmm. I don't understand yeah. why that's not talked about more. Yeah. Um, I learned about it. Actually, I had a, a, a coworker um, whose partner was, um, he had, uh, I can't remember which cancer it was. It was stomach cancer. Uh, it was pretty advanced, um, but it was to, it was to the point where the treatments, like his his appetite was gone. Um, he wasn't really keeping anything down, and she was nursing their son at the time. Uh-huh. And we had um, like I don't know if we had gone to a seminar or what, and it was like, hold up, you mean this might actually help him? So she started pumping extra and taking the milk to the hospital. Uh-huh. Um, he eventually did pass, but that was the only thing that he was able to keep down and it did make him feel better. Hmm. Okay. Yep. Has so there that was been when any... I learned that that was a thing. Okay. <laughs> I wonder, I'm going to do some more research. Do you know of any success stories of cancer patients in the milk? Oh, well, in the hospitals, okay. um, you know, they use it on the ward. Okay. Um, most of the time when the hospital gets milk, it's for uh, the NICU. Uh-huh. But they do use it on on cancer on burn patients. You can wash the wound with it because it has the stem cells. It helps to it's sterile. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you just blew my mind. I will have to say, listen, I have done a, a few interviews, and I'm gonna. I, I don't think I've had one that I am just blown away with the nuggets that you're dropping today. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So (laughs) this is what, okay. So listen, I want to be mindful of your time um, because I know you have a family and and I really appreciate you um, carving out this evening for me. I'm probably putting you on the spot, but I can edit it, (laughs) edit it out. (laughs) But I'm going to ask, can I please bring you back with um, more information to touch on how breast milk can help adults and the different diseases and benefits of that. And then there's the bodybuilders who buy breast milk on the black market. Girl, okay. Yeah, we can talk. Can we please? (laughs) I really want to tap into this. So here's the thing. I'll connect with you after um, (laughs) we, we get off here, but thank you so much. I am just loving this episode fascinated by it. I'm going to make sure that all three of my girls, I'm gonna, I'm going to beg them to when they start having my grandbabies cuz let's get that clear. They're my grandbabies. No, <laughs> no but I right. need them to, I need everyone who's listening to this episode today full-term breastfeeding. That's where it is. Say yes. You need to say yes. Literally. Do it for 7 years. It could, co- it could do it for seven. What? I mean, 
you know what? It's what we, it's, it's, it's historically, culturally, like it's okay to do. So I'm going to try to push that as long as I can. And if you have like some sort of advocate you need here in Chicago, let me know, Tamika. <laughs> no, I think this is fantastic. So thank you for your time. I'm going to bring you back to talk about the other benefits and the way that adults are actually secretly, they ain't telling nobody drinking breast milk. Right. See, mm, that part. Mm-hmm. Okay. Listen, thank you so much. I really have enjoyed this opportunity. Uh, and we are going to be in touch, ladies and gentlemen. That is Tamika Jackson Dyer on today's episode of DA Podcast. And the topic was or is full-term breastfeeding. Stay tuned for part two. That's what we're going to call that. And it's going to, we're going to talk about (laughs) the adults who drink breast milk. That's the title. (laughs) Didn't know. I might have to, you know, if it it has anything to do with weight loss, I'm coming. That's that's it right there. (laughs) Sign me up. All right, Tamika. Thank you so much, hon. And you have a great night. Okay. And I'll be in contact. Okay.